Hey everybody, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. And I just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast today. I hope this message inspires you and encourages you. Enjoy today's message. tell you there's some words the two words I want to give you today are I won't I won't let's say those words let's say ready come on I won't and that's you know that can be a negative connotation but there's times that we need to be that firm in decisions that we're making you're saying I won't and here's a statement that's coming up that I hope that you will always say I won't in and so let's say it here it is let's say it together ready come on I won't give up on God let's say that again come on online as well those of you at home or on the beach let's say it everybody in the room I won't give up on God. I won't give up on God. I just won't do it. I ain't doing it, right? I'm not going to give up on God. I'm not going to give up on God. And today I want to talk to you about how to protect yourself spiritually. We're in a spiritual war. I don't know if you noticed that or not, but all that's going on, there's a spiritual uh, warfare that's happening. And, and you need to protect yourself. You need to know how to do that. So today I want to talk to you about that. I want to give you... A, a passage of scripture that, it, that is written, that God inspired Simon Peter to write, one of his closest followers. And this is what he says in 1 Peter 5. He says this, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the who? Okay, get that. Get, get that. That's who your enemy is, right? All right. It, it's not the person sitting beside you right now. Don't look at them. <laughs> Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that Christians throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. I want to talk to you today. I want to give you three things that I believe will help you protect yourself when you're in the middle of spiritual battles. And the first thing I would share with you is this. If we're going to protect ourselves is number one is that we have to predetermine the boundaries in my life. Predetermine the boundaries. It's amazing to me how that when you predetermine the boundaries in your life that you can live, you can live within those boundaries. I would challenge you. What is it? A boundary is saying, you know, telling everyone, going public with your statement that, that this is far as I go and I will not go any further. That's a boundary saying, I will not go any further. I won't, I ain't doing it. Not going any further than this. A matter of fact, I would say that when you begin to uh, talk to your friends, before you go hang out with your friends, you got to say, okay, this is as far as I will go. I'm not going any further than this. And let them know up front this is the decision. When you're dating, dear God, if you're single and you're dating, it's very important to know, let that person know, this is how far I'm going to go. I'm not going any further, right? Because in today's culture, it's like, hey, we meet, we have a Big Mac, and we get in the sack. <laughs> yeah. Woo, come on, somebody. <laughs> and let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen, you're worth more than a Big Mac. Amen. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so we have to, you know, we have to protect ourselves, and we have to say, okay, you know, I've got to predetermine my boundaries. I would say even financially. 
You know, every credit card has a limit on it. Just because it has a limit doesn't mean that you have to take it to the max. Amen? Amen. You have to predetermine that we're not going to go any further. We, you know, if we're going to have this credit card, we're going to pay it off at the end of the month. And when we can't do that, then maybe we're going to get rid of it. Predetermine your limits. When you go to buy a car or house, you know, the people that are trying to sell you something will tell you, yes, you can, and we can make a way. Well, yeah, they can make a way, but then you've got to make the payments. Amen. So predetermine before you go, I, I ain't doing it. I won't do that. I will not go any further than that. And the Bible says this in 1 Peter. Look what he says. He says, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, notice that, prowls around. I want you to get the picture with me right now. Uh, maybe you've seen like on the Animal Channel or something like that, Animal Planet, that, that like a lion who's creeping through the tall weeds. Just sort of picture it in your mind. Through the tall weeds, and all you can see is like the, his back. And what is he doing? He's looking for weak ones. He's looking for prey that is weakened and maybe got separated from the herd, the other animals, and he's going to pounce on them. That's what the enemy of your soul is. He's looking for those that are weak, yes. those that are beginning to get tired in their faith, and those that are beginning to struggle. He's looking for those kind of people. And he goes on to say this. He that he uh, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So I would say set your boundaries. I would say that you have to also protect your character by setting yes. boundaries. Yes. You know, if you want respect, you have to be a respectable person. And so you have to decide. You have to decide for you what your boundaries are going to be. And I have to decide for me. So what I'm about to tell you is me. It's not you, okay? This is me, what I'm, the story I'm about to tell you. Several years ago, I calculated back, it's probably been about 18 years ago, I went to meet a man at his, his place of business, and we had a lunch appointment. I went there, I, I, he showed me his business, and, and he was a very wealthy guy, a man of respect in his, in the, uh, in his field. And so we, we started to leave his place of business, and I said, hey, well, where would you like to go to lunch? I'd like to maybe take you out to lunch. And he said, well, you know what? Jeff says uh, Hooters is right up here, and that's a great place. They got great chicken wings. Now, I'm not, listen, I am not bashing Hooters at all. Please don't go there. But just for me, when, when, it, when the restaurant come out years ago, I saw the advertisements, and I thought, for me, I may be tempted to begin to look at something I should look at. And so I decided I would not go. Now, I know that may be strong for some of you, but I just want you to ask for the decision that I made. Because he said, but he began to be emphatic. He said, Jeff, no, come on, let's go. I said, man, let's go anywhere else you want to go. We can't, I can't go there. He said, why not? And I said, well, I just made a decision a long time ago that I just wouldn't put myself in places. Because, you know, I know they may have great chicken wings, but my eyes would probably not stay on the chicken wings. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry if I just offended you that your pastor is not perfect, but it would be hard for me to enjoy a meal like this. Yes, uh huh, yeah. But some of you, you know, again, I'm not knocking. So please, you know, if you work, if you work there, or if uh, you go there, I'm not knocking you. I'm just saying I put parameters around me. Amen. This guy got very upset with me, and he said, you know, uh, I just don't understand that. You know, I know a lot of my buddies who have pastors that go out and do this, this, and this with them. And I said, well, I'm sorry, but that's not who I am. Come on. And, uh, you know, and so what I want to tell you, you, you're talking about peer pressure. 
That wasn't peer pressure. That was pure pressure. This man was very influential. You know, he was a guy that, like, everybody wanted to be around. And all of a sudden, I had to stand my ground. We went to lunch. It was a short lunch. And after that, uh, you know, I went home. and, And I felt very horrible about what had happened. But I didn't back down because I made those decisions. And let me just tell you something. Because of that, this decisions like that, Rhonda and I have been married 33 years. We've been married 33 years, and she's the only one for me. And I'm going to tell you something. It's because of those kind of decisions. And I'm just saying that you have to do, you have to determine your life. Okay, how far are you going to go? And so that may be silly goody two-shoes to some of you, but that's what I decided in my life. I'm not the only one, but Job made a decision like that too. In Job 31, he says this. Job 31 and 1, he said, I made a what? A covenant. I made a covenant. I made a covenant with my eyes not to look with lust at a young woman. So this issue has been around a long time. (laughs) He said, I made a covenant with my eyes because he said, I determined that I am not going to go there. And so I'm just saying for you, you have to predetermine. I don't know whatever in every area of life, you have to make a decision that you're going to say, this is as far as I'm going to go. And when you do that, you have to say, you know what, why? Because my relationship with God is more important than anything else. And I want to be a, I want to be a person of integrity and of godly character because we're Christians, right? We want to be godly character and people are looking at us to say, oh, I thought you was a Christian, right? They want, you know what they'll do? The world will tell you this, oh, it's not that bad. And then you do it and they go, well, I thought you was a Christian and you did it, right? Just like the devil, he'll tell you it's not that bad. And then once you do it, he'll tell you it's so bad, God can never forgive you for it. And so I want you to know, so this is the words that we say when we set parameters. Listen, they're coming up on the screen. Let's say it. You ready? Come on. Here we go. I won't give up on God. I'm not going to give up. I won't give up on God. And you have to make that decision in your life. The second thing I would share with you is this, is number two, if you're going to fight this spiritual battle, you have to resist evil by submitting to God. Resist evil. (laughs) You know, evil's coming your way. Let me tell you something. I get tempted all the time. How about you? We get tempted, don't we? Every one of us get tempted. And so I just want you to understand, he goes on to say this in 1 Peter 5 and 9. He says, resist him, talking about the devil. He says, stand firm in the faith. Stand firm in the faith. You know what I've understood is this, is when evil becomes normal, it becomes unrecognizable. Boy. Did you hear that? When evil, be- when evil becomes normal, it becomes unrecognizable. You know, you, know how that we, you know how that we damper evil in our culture is this. You know, how the, you know how the world gets us to accept evil? Is that they begin to put it in movies and things that we like and sitcoms that we like. And when we start laughing at it, it takes the edge off of it. And before you know it, when we see it or when we see, recognize, we see it, we really don't recognize it as evil anymore. We're just like, ha, 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 ha. Wasn't that funny? Yeah. Isn't that amazing? There's one thing. There's one thing, only one thing that makes evil stand out like neon lights on the Las Vegas Strip in the dark of night, and that is God's Word. God's Word. When you get in God's Word and God's Word gets in you, it's like, oh, no, I see it right there. Uh Uh-uh, I'm resisting that, right? Remember how the devil's like a prowling lion, like a prowling lion looking for someone to devour who's weak. And when God's Word's in you, you can see him way out there. But when God's Word is not in you, he gets right here before you know it, right? 
Look what the Bible says. Oh, here it is. Look, watch this. The whole Bible was given by inspiration from who? God. From God. Not from Jeff. Oh, no. It's, listen, you said, whenever I read the Bible, don't get mad at me. I'm just a messenger. Okay. He said, so the whole Bible was, give, was given to us and by inspiration from God. It is useful to teach us what is true, true and makes us realize what is Wrong. where? In our lives. In our lives. It's about me. It ain't about you. Amen. Teaching me what's wrong in my life. Yes. Oh, I like this. It straightens us what? Out and helps us to do what is? Right. Mm, mm, mm. The Word of God. You know, for the Christian, I'm not talking about people that don't know Jesus. For the Christian, God's Word is our conscience. I was talking to a man last night, a young man last night, and he was talking about, he said, Pastors, I just want you to know, I'm a, I'm a Christian, and so I don't have my own conscience anymore. God's Word is my conscience. Isn't that so true? God's Word is our conscience, and, and so it sharpens our conscience. And you know what? The, wor- the church is the world's conscience. You know that as Christians, as Christ followers, the church is the world's conference, a conscience. So when you know, when, that's why you know when they look at us, they see us as like, oh no, I shouldn't do that because Christians don't do that. We are the conscience of the world. The church is the conscience of the world. And so if you if you're gonna get if you're gonna if you're gonna have your way and you don't want to feel guilty about it, you got to get rid of first of all, you got to get rid of the church, and then you got to get rid of God's word, right? And the world doesn't want to feel guilty about what it does, and that's why they berate Christians yes. and the church. Yes. Are you tracking with me? Yes. Oh, I want, this has been an experiment that's already been done. Back in the 1920s, Russia decided that, that it wanted to move to a socialist and to a, a, a communist a country. And they had a problem. They had one problem that would, would keep them from doing that, and that was God's Word. When you got God's Word, you cannot help. People will not be captive if they got God's Word in them. They will be free. And so what they had to do, they had to start an anti-religious campaign. And that's exactly what they did. They began to uh, disallow uh, religious publications, and they began to criticize Christians openly and begin to change the environment to where if a person was Christian, then they would talk bad about them, make fun of them, and, 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 and begin to uh, bash them and tell them that, you know, that, that why would they listen to an old book that was written thousands of years ago? And all the things that we hear today, that's what they did. And guess what? Finally, the culture bought into that. And so they, got, they said, okay, we're going to quit the communications of the, of the message. And then they said, we're going to get rid of the churches. And after the people began to be bashing Christians so much, they started not liking Christians. And then the government come in, and they began to remove churches. And all of a sudden, where they had 30,000 churches in 1920, by the end of 1941, they only had 500 churches left that were state-run. And then guess what? It didn't stop there. All of a sudden, the people that said, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, guess what they did to them? If you continue to fetch Jesus as your Savior and Lord, then they would either take you and shoot you or put you into a work camp. 
And guess what? The culture did nothing. There should have been marching in the streets, right? And in 1937 alone, 85,000 priests were marched out, and they were all shot. And nobody said anything because they had been told that they were nothing, and they were lowlife, and they were the problem, and that the government would solve everything. And they had to get God out in order to get their way in. And they got God out of the country. The religion was atheism. Don't believe anything. And we will be your God. We will provide everything for you. And my friend, as we've all witnessed through history, as we saw the fall of communism in Russia, we saw the fall of the Soviet Union because it hasn't worked, it will not work. And see, you can never be free until you have Jesus. This is what Jesus said. Look what he says. The Bible says in John 8, 31 and 32, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the what? And the truth will what? You will never, ever have... You will never have freedom in your life until you have Jesus Christ. All the money in the world will not make you free, my friend. Let me tell you something. You can have 15,000 girlfriends and boyfriends, and none of them will make you free. Let me tell you, you can be the gigolo all gigolos, and you will not be free. Hallelujah. Amen. Listen, let's just be honest today. Everything the culture says, go for it. Go for it. Will make you free. It doesn't make you free. You become a slave and you become in bondage and you become shameful. I want to tell you the only way to be free is through Jesus Christ. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. And you will never hold a man or a woman or teenager down who has Jesus Christ. Why? Because let me tell you something. If those priests stood and those people lined up to shoot them dead right there. They did not deny their faith. They said, Jesus is Lord. And they took a bullet for Jesus. But the moment that that bullet struck their body, I want you to know that breath of life that was in them, it didn't. It went on to heaven with Almighty God. And they saw the Savior of the world. You see, you cannot take a man down that's not not willing to give himself because he's free in Jesus. And he knows to die is to gain. Amen. And I want to tell you today, if you want to live today. You've got to have Jesus Christ in your life. Amen. He's alive and well, and he wants to work in you. Amen. The only way to stand before evil is to bow before Jesus. Hallelujah. The only way you stand before Jesus, before the evil is you bow before Jesus. He reveals it to you. Why do you think we're under such attack today? You see, the, the world has said that you're my enemy and you're my enemy. I'm not your enemy and you're not my enemy. We got one enemy. He's the devil. And he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Amen. Hallelujah. And our nation right now, our nation is rocking and reeling on the evil. It's not us, us against each other. It's evil. It's not Democrat or Republican. It's nothing about that. It's about the spirit of the enemy who wants to divide and conquer. And what he wants to do is shut the church up. Oh, oh, listen, see, this is the scariest thing about COVID-19 to me. It's not about getting the virus that scares me. It's about what the virus is doing to separate people from the church. Come on. Yes. Yeah. Amen. 
it's, it's what you're doing. And let me say, let me tell you, those of you that are watching, I'm not, I'm not on you. I know there's health issues and there's reasons that you cannot be. I understand that. But just be careful. Don't be separated from the church. You find a way to get connected to your church because your spiritual vitality is important right now. Do you, know right, do you know right now that we're having more murders than we've ever had before? We're having more crimes committed than ever before. There's more molestation going on than ever before. There's more rapes going on than ever before. Why? Because the church has had to stay at home. It's time for us to rise up and say, you know what? Listen, I may have to stay at home, but I can have church in my home, and I'm going to be connected to Jesus Christ, and I'm going to stand up for Jesus. Amen? you got to stand up. Listen, you can't be silent anymore. We can't be in the closet Christians anymore. Then the world, may it's, it's going to make fun of you and say, you know, well, you need to just quiet down. Oh, no, we're done quieting down. When we quiet down, the world goes to hell, right? No, we're going to speak up. Hallelujah. There's a, there's a man called me yesterday. I, I'm selling a little four-wheeler, and he called me, and he said he was telling me when he might come by and, and all this, and he was telling me issues he had, and, and he was using foul language while he was talking to me. He didn't know that I was a pastor, and I didn't tell him. But finally, at the, I said, listen, let me tell you something. I said, I'm a Christian. I didn't say I'm no pastor. I'm a Christian. Can I pray for you that, that God might heal your body and your family? I just want you to know there's a Savior out there. His name's yeah. Jesus. I just want yeah. you to know. Every conversation we get, in, and you know what? That man thanked me. Thank you so much for praying for me. The world is desperate for you to speak up. Hallelujah. We're going down a road that is very, very dangerous. When you get God out, then guess what? The devil moves right in. And his job is to steal, kill, and destroy. Everything you saw in Russia from 1920, 1921 to 1941 is, is what will happen when we kick God out. And I'm telling you that, listen, I'm tired of people around me trying to kick God out and damning God's name and all that. No, no, no more. Uh-uh. We are children of God. We've been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. And here's the big deal. Listen, the world hates us. You know why? Because the world didn't give it to me, and the world can't take it away. Mama didn't give it to me, and mama can't take it away. The government didn't give it to me, and the government can't take it away. Jesus Christ is our Savior and Lord. Amen? Oh, oh if somebody helped me, I'd preach right now. I'm telling you, listen, it's, it's time to wake up. Yes. Yes. I've got to share my faith. No more silent stuff for me. Yes. Well, what if they talk bad about you? They're going, what if they put you on social media? Yes. They're going to. Yes. Amen. Amen. Yes. We're fighting for the souls of our children and grandchildren. I don't want my children to grow up in a communist nation. Do you? We have to stand and we have to say, we declare Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, and let him make him free. Let me tell you something, America's got a lot of problems. We, we know that. We've had them from the beginning and we'll have, we made many mistakes and we'll make more. But let me tell you something, the only thing that's made America what it is, is that statement that in God we trust. That we are one nation under God, right? We are one nation under God. One nation. 
And I just want to tell you that we have to go back and say, listen, the thing that we got going for us is God right now. And if the church, if the church is taken out of it, and that's what they did, they silenced the, they silenced the voice. You couldn't say anything without people criticizing you. Like on social media now, you say anything about God and people are like, go all over you, tell you why you're stupid for saying that. And then guess what? They shut down the churches and then they shot the people. So it's, listen, we got to stop it right now. Yes. Amen. Oh no, I know I'm preaching truth. Amen. In order to stand against evil, we must bow before Jesus. And when you get in his word and his word gets in you, you're bowing your heart. That's why it's important. See, this busyness that we've all been into, we have to stop. And if you're too busy for God's word to get in God's word and God's word to get in you, you're too busy. And we have to say, no, we got to change this thing. I would challenge you this. That, listen, today, ask yourself this question. With my actions, if people were looking at my actions, would they say I'm running toward God or am I running away from God? Are you, are, you, are, you, are you in your life right now? Those of you that are watching online, are you running toward God or are you running away from God? Because that's going to determine how you live. And not only you live, but generations that come after you, how they're going to live. Run to God. Right now in this room, I don't know where you stand. I don't know what's been going on, but I'm telling you, run to God. Yes. Run to God. He's never forsaken you. I don't want you to do a 360 today, and that's the problem with our world today. You know what they, they, they say? Well, I'm going to run to God. God, I thank you, Lord. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, God. I thank you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And they go right back the same direction they started before they started running to God. No, do a 180. And that means, God, today I'm going the wrong way. I'm sorry, but, Lord, I'm going to follow you. I'm going this way. That's a 180. Follow God. If you're not a Christ follower today, I want to invite you to become and it starts with a prayer. It's the start. And right where you sit and right where you are right now, if you're in your bedroom, on the beach, wherever you are right now, God's speaking to you. And just pray the prayer. If you're in this room, pray the prayer. Lord Jesus, come into my life and save me. I need a Savior. Come into my life. And when you do, I just want you to text the words following Christ so that we can pray for you. And I'd like to send you some material to that number you see on the screen. It's going to stay up just a moment. We have to go to Jesus. So let's say our statement again. You ready? Let's say it. Here we go. It's coming up. Ready? I won't give up on God. Will you give up on God? Will you give up on God? Let me hear you say, I won't give up on God. Will you give up on God? That's right. Every situation, I'm not going to give up on God. The third thing I'd like to share with you is this, is don't fight evil alone. Don't fight evil alone. Again, Peter tells us, he warns us that it's happening everywhere. He, said, and he says, resist him, talking about the devil. Stand firm in your faith because you know that Christians throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. Anybody that stands up for Jesus, there's going to be some suffering. Yeah. And listen, maybe you, got the, maybe you got the gospel message that said that once you come to Jesus, you'll never have any more problems and everything will be roses. No, honey, there's some thorns on that rose. Amen. Amen? Amen? So you're going to have some of that, all right? It's going to happen to you. In this world, you will have trouble. One day, we're not going to be in this world. And that's it. See, 
the world says, you know, well, I don't care this thing about God, and I ain't going to, this God stuff's crazy, and, and they can say, you know, and curse God, do all this. The only problem is God has the last word. Because there's something called heaven and there's something called hell. And that if you do not accept Jesus and choose God's way, then guess what? No matter what you think, you end up in an eternity that was not prepared for you. in this place called hell and it's suffering forever and ever and ever. Or you can choose heaven God's way and live ever after in, in the most wonderful place you've ever lived in your life. It's those two choices that are still real today. And I don't, you know, I'm here to tell you as your pastor who loves you that, listen, you want to choose Jesus. You want to choose, because we may not have heaven on earth, but we're going to have heaven one day. We have the same enemy. He's the devil, and he comes to kill us and steal. See, we fight, we fight together by holding each other up in prayer. There's some battles that you will never win physically. That means that you can point fingers, you can curse at, you can, you can try to harm people, but there's some battles that will never be won physically. We get taught this lesson, they're only won through prayer. We get taught this lesson in the Old Testament. There's a guy by the name of Moses who had led God's people out of Egyptian bondage. They were slaves, and he led them out into the desert. And as they were doing that, doing, going across the desert, they come across a, a, a group of people called the Amalekites. And the Amalekites, were, they would not let them pass, and they, they insisted that they were going to kill them. And so Moses told Joshua, a young man, he said, listen, you get some men together, and, uh, and some young men and men go together, and you go fight them because, we, you know, they're not going to take our lives without a fight. And Moses decided that he knew that Joshua didn't have trained fighting men, so he went up on top of the mountain while they were in the valley, and he's decided that he would pray. And as long as Moses was praying, he went up there with two other people, Aaron and Hur, and he held his hand up and he began to pray. And as he prayed, guess what? As long as he prayed, God's people began to win the battle. They would win the, they was winning like crazy. But when Moses' arms got tired, he began to drop his arm. All of a sudden, the enemy, the Amalekites, began to win. And so they realized this is a spiritual battle. It's a spiritual battle. It's not flesh and blood. It's a spiritual battle. I know you see things happening. I know you see the fights going on. But this is not, this is not a flesh and blood. It's a spiritual battle. And somebody has to raise, raise up prayer and their hands of prayer and say, God, I know that you're greater than this. And this problem that we're facing is not flesh and blood. It's spiritual, God. And so as Moses held his hands up and began to pray, they won. But his arms got tired, so Aaron and her got on each side of him, and they held his arms up when he got tired in prayer that they may win the battle. You, you need somebody, and you need somebody to hold your arms up in prayer when you get tired, when the enemy comes in like a flood, that you can raise a standard against him. You need somebody in your life to hold you up in prayer. Hallelujah. So here's my question. Who's holding your arms up in prayer? Because you're going to get tired and you're going to get weak and you're going to get weary and you need somebody. Thank God for that grandmother that'll pray. Thank God for that granddaddy that'll pray. Thank God for that mom and dad that'll pray. Thank God for that brother and sister that'll pray. And thank God for that church family member that'll pray. Amen. Who is holding you up? You can't do it alone. You're trying to do it alone. You're trying to do it alone, and you're not winning, and you're going down because you weren't created to do it by yourself. You need somebody holding your arms up. Here's a question. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Whose arms are you holding up? And who's holding your arms up? Whose arms are you holding up? And who's holding your arms up? You won't realize it, but you don't know this, but this morning at 8.15, I was on a phone call with some people that were just praying over me today. You know what they were doing? They were holding my arms up. Holding my arms up. I said, Pastor, we know you're going in spiritual battle today. We're going to pray for you. Every day. I got a a text from a man this week who said, hey, Jeff, you may not know this, and he didn't go to our church, and and we're just acquainted. He said, but I just want you to know I'm I'm holding you up in prayer every day. Oh, that's a secret to my life, and that's a secret to the Christian life. It's holding someone up in prayer. And you know what I do every every week? I send out a lot of texts to some people that I'm holding them up in prayer. Holding them up in prayer. So I want to ask you something. Why don't you, why don't you choose right now to get you about two or three people and you just begin to text, to have your little text circle and say, listen, I'm going to pray for you. And once a week, send them a text and just say, I just want you to know I've held you up in prayer today. It doesn't matter if you just say, God bless them this day and give them a good day. That's prayer, my friend. And God hears, you don't have to pray an hour. No, no, no. Don't pray an hour. Pray, pray and say, God, I just want you to bless my friend and whatever they're going through, God bless them. When you begin to do that, you hold them up in prayer. See, that's how we change. We don't change with flesh and blood. We don't change by accusing each other. We don't change by fighting each other. We change when we bow to Jesus Christ. He changes what we cannot change. Amen? Amen. Amen. So will you do that? Will you text someone the other way that we fight this battle? See, I'm telling you a different way to fight a battle. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles, amen? Amen. This is how I fight my battles. This is how we fight our battles. This is how we fight them is in prayer. And then there's another way that the scripture says you fight the battle. It's not a physical battle. It's a spiritual battle. He says this in Romans 12 and 21. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by what? Doing good. Oh, you do good when it feels good. You do good when it doesn't feel good. Amen. And when you keep doing good, good happens. And that's the thing. See, when someone hits you, you want to hit them back. But that's not what Jesus said, is that we overcome evil by doing good. And so I just want you to know that even in the middle of this pandemic, we're not going to stop doing good as a church. And I want you to know, in just about two weeks on August the 1st, we're going to go right over this gas station. We're going to buy the gas down 50 cents a gallon. And we're going we're gonna to pump gas for people. And guess what? We're going to wash their windshield, but we're going to add a new element this time, is I need some prayer warriors to join me on that day. Because we're going to go over to every car and say, can we pray for you? And if they say yes, we're going to lay hands on that car and we're going to pray God's blessing because, listen, this is how we fight our battles. Amen. This is how we bring unity to our community. This is how we do it. It's spiritual, baby. And we're going to begin to pray and watch what God will do. If we want COVID-19 out of our area, we got to pray it out. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is how I fight my battles. Oh, this is how I fight my battles. Even though it feels like I'm surrounded by evil and I'm surrounded by people that want to hurt me and and attack me, I know that I'm surrounded by Jesus. The Bible says that God has set his angels encamped around about those who fear him. Amen. And I want you to know there's a different way that we fight our battles. This is how we fight our battles in prayer. Amen? Amen. I want you to stand with me. Those of you that are home with us online or wherever you are, I want you to stand right now. 
and we're going to teach you a new song. It's very simple. It says, this is how we fight our battles. And I want you to sing this song, and as you do, you remember that this is not, this is not about flesh and blood. Blood is about the spiritual. Amen? Amen? And today, we're bringing down the walls. <laughs> the spiritual, the enemy has built walls around us, but today they'll be tore down because we learned that we fight our battles in the spirit. Listen, listen. Hey, Rhonda's right here. She, you know, she's not my enemy. There's some times that we get to fight, we get sort of fussing. I think she's my, she's not my enemy and I'm not her enemy. You know what? We, we, the devil's our enemy, right? And, and sometimes, sometimes with my children, they think, well, my dad's my enemy. No, I'm not their enemy and they're not my enemy. We got one enemy. And listen, in the church, I want you to know, I'm not your enemy and you're not my enemy. We got one enemy and this is how we fight our battle. Amen. Through prayer, the Holy Spirit of God moving. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's secview.net and click the Give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.